welcome listeners to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. I almost hate to use the word educational. Charles Staley. Phil Stevens. I guess I'm kind of the, uh, the dark force here. And Rob Fortress Fortney. But there really is no secret. Thanks for listening. Iron Radio is brought to you in part by www.bingcolorprint.com. Business cards, flyers, banners, postcards, DVD packages, and more can be found there. Occasionally you'll see Phil make a comment on our Iron Radio listeners page. That's not spam. That might be something that you can save at bingcolorprint.com. Thanks. Welcome, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I am a nutrition and an exercise physiology professor, and I'm a bodybuilder. Hey, folks. Rob Fortress-Fortney here, former editor at Muscle Mag International, former competitive bodybuilder and powerlifter. This is Phil Stevens, founder of LiftForHope.org, a Highland Games and powerlifting athlete. And with us today, we got Dan John. Um, I really don't think Dan needs any kind of introduction. If, if you don't know him, that's your own fault. <laughs> Dan, thanks for joining us. Oh, you're more than welcome. Yeah, yeah. Blame, blame the audience. That's good. I like that. That's yeah, right. The movie was terrible. The audience just didn't understand it. That's all. I love that. Good. Yeah, so folks, if you don't know me, uh, 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 buy on D, okay? Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, they're doing themselves a disservice if they don't know you, so they just got to go find out for themselves. <laughs> since 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 Dan is our interviewee, though, maybe he should at least introduce himself a little. Okay, I'm Dan John. I'm a Virgo. I uh, I've been in the coaching field for 31, going on 32 years. Oh, let's see. I've got I've competed in a lot of team sports, a lot of individual sports. I still have the national record in the weight pentathlon. That's the shot put discus. Hammer, javelin, 35-pound weight. Uh, won Masters national titles in weightlifting, weight pentathlon, discus throwing, uh, in uh, GS, Garaway Sport. Uh, I've had a lot of success with really really high-level athletes and a lot of success with, uh, you know, younger kids, too. It's, it's been a great career. Um, about, I don't know, it must have been about 10 years ago I started writing uh, I've been writing for a long time in my in my actual the area I'm professionally trained in, which is theology and history. And I made you know my old joke about I won a poetry contest one time. I won it, you know, and I got twenty five dollars, and that taught me to stop teaching poet uh, doing poetry. I wrote uh, a column for about ten years for free. I wrote my first weightlifting article, and I got paid a ton of money. And I said to myself, Ah, this is the secret. So I've been writing for a long time. I have a book, never let go doing real well still, and I got two coming out, one on lean body mass coming out, uh, just you know, a six-week program to put on that works to, to put, you know, to gain some muscle, and then a book with Pavel that, as of this morning, had 110,000 words before the pictures even come in. So oh, boy. The, the, joke, the joke between Pavel and is, uh, is that it's the first weightlifting book in history that will come with handles, and actually all you have to do is lift the book. Uh, so I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited about it. Really excited about it. In fact, uh, uh, probably during the conversation, we'll share at least a few ideas with you guys about, you know, what we're trying to accomplish and the thinking process behind it. Okay. Great. Cool. So are, are, are you coaching still currently or, or what are you doing now? Well, wow. What a, what a year. Uh, 
it would have been just a little less than a year ago, my wife just came home from work one day, and she says, uh, hey, I'm just putting my name out there, okay? I go, okay, what? What do you mean? She goes, well, you know, there's this big job in San Francisco I applied for. I'm not nearly qualified enough, but I want my name out there. People know I'm ready. You know, the girls graduating from school, and, you know, we're going to be kind of, you know, empty nesters. You know, I put my name out there. So move ahead into the middle of track season. Of course, I'm the head track coach. My daughter is, uh, you know, one of the best shot put disco stars. And calls me up at work one day and says, Danny, I go, yeah, what do you think about moving to San Francisco? And I'm like, what? She goes, yeah, I got the job. And I got a report in four weeks. Four weeks was April. And so she got an extension, uh, not actually, but a little bit of one. So in a, oh, five or six-week period, we sold a six-bedroom house. We moved our daughters off to college. Uh, I retired from teaching, uh, my daughter won the state championship, and then, uh, well, and then uh, graduated in high school the following weekend. We had a going away party, and we were gone. So, <laughs> and then, and when I kind of came to, uh, I decided, you know, people want me to do these workshops, and for years I've been saying, no, I can't. I got to teach. No, no, I can't. And so I made this decision with Tiff. I said, you know, if I can do two workshops a month, I still teach the theology class online in college, if I can do two workshops a month, I think financially, I think it's just good to go ahead and try it. Well, in October, I did 15 days of them. So uh, maybe it was time for me to go into this. So what I'm doing right now is I'm giving a lot of workshops. Uh, I'm trying to become much more available to, te- to people who like my message. I'm not being yeah. a jerk on that. I'm not, it's not like I have some secret. I'm going to knock on your door one day, you know, with a buddy in an ugly suit and say, have you heard the good news of Dan John? You know, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> but uh, there's a lot of people out there who are tired of pounding their head against the wall, like I did for so many years, and are interested in, you know, trying a, a different way to get, to get their goals set done in sports and, and how, and strength, strength and conditioning. So, that's that's really what I'm doing right now. That's sweet. You, what are, can you can you name some dates coming up? How do people find out where you're speaking? Um, the stuff oh, like sure. That. If you go to danjohn.net, I've really tried hard to uh, I've really tried hard to keep my my thing. It's called events. I've really tried hard to keep the events up to date, and that's the whole. Um, a whole bunch of them, sadly, a whole bunch of the events I'm doing um, are uh, uh, for people. They're, they're not. They're not for everybody. They're you know kind of private events for you know certain groups. But which is fine. You know, uh, I'm kind of proud about my affiliation with a lot of the military and stuff. I think part of it is because you know, you know, I I got great respect for them. And I don't try to you know <laughs> try to be one and. Let's see, what do I have coming up uh, that people can go to? Oh, yeah, sure. I've got a big one in Connecticut in April, April 2nd, 3rd. Mike Boyle in the first week of February. I've got one in Oroville, California coming up. Uh, boy, there's, there's quite a few. Um, sorry, you, 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 like I said before, last time you guys talked to me, I was at a wedding in North Carolina. Today I'm at a <laughs> wedding in Philadelphia, so... Well, we always get you at your best dressed. Yeah. Um, so you literally catch me as I'm, you know, trying to check into a hotel. It's just classic, but it is, I'm glad to do it. So that's, you know, I've got a lot coming up. 
And I think when the book the books come out, I think that'll all rebound again. Because really, I'm focusing, you know, with the Russian kettlebell certification stuff with Pavel and some of the other stuff. I'm, I'm you know, I'm really getting a lot of, you know, I'm getting a lot of uh, roots in the community. And one, it's funny because the joke with one guy said to me, "Yeah, the first time you came, I had ten people. The second time, I had a hundred. What's going to happen the third time?" I go, "I don't know," you know. So it, it, it once people kind of hear my message and see how I work with them more people come back. So it's kind of a good thing in here. It's hard to pat myself on the back, but it's, it's you know, I'm very flexible so I can do it. But, yeah, it's 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 going really well. Yeah. Well, Phil, if I can ask, let me ask Dan a tough question then. I mean, um, why do you think people respond to you as positively as they do? I mean, can you sort of summarize some of your core messages? You know, because one of the things that I always thought was great about you is, you're very authentic and, you know, and you seem to care about the people you're working with and that kind of stuff and respectful. And like I was telling Rob before the call, you know, you're the kind of coach that, you know, I, I would expose my own son to. Um, but can you sort of summarize, you know, your messages and why you think people really like to hear you talk? Sure. Well, you know, it was, you know, of course, you know, whenever you talk to me, you always get a story. So sorry about all this, but, uh, I'm working with this, person who has been to a couple of Olympic games and wants to make one more run at meddling at the Olympic games, okay? Pretty, pretty, you know, that's a pretty authentic, pretty important thing. And so we're, uh, went out to the person's place and we, we spent some hours, some, I fixed some in, long-term injuries with the person that really, they weren't injuries, it was, a, it was thoracic mobility for God's sakes, which is like, you know, you know, that's the one step from voodoo when you fix somebody with that issue, you know? And uh, so then we we did the whole you know this this whole different paradigm of strength training that I usually offer you know elite athletes. And then so we went to lunch and we're sitting there and the person says I, I have to ask you you know and this is this the the long winded answer to your question what's what's in it for you? And I thought oh you know well well I'm not a pervert or anything really I'm not, you know, I'm not sure. um, my my mission statement as I told is to is three words. It's make a difference, and that is my mission statement. You know, that is what um, kind of drives me to do what I do. Uh, it's driven me my whole career. I mean, seriously, if you want to make, if you, if you want to be on the fast track for money, I mean, seriously, do you become a Catholic theologian in Utah? I mean, really, let's sit down for a moment and, you know, run that through the Excel spreadsheet. You know, um, yeah. I've, for whatever reasons, whatever motivates. I'm hoping it comes from my mom and dad. I'm hoping it comes from my education. I'm hoping it comes from what my mentors taught me is that I have a I have a big debt to pay off. I have a large debt. Uh, people who spent a lot of quality time with me when I wasn't good enough and I wasn't tall enough, you know. So I think that when I think about my mom and dad, Dick Nutton, Ralph Maughan, Bob Lahati, uh, Dave Turner, all these people who stepped up and spent all this time and energy and care and, you know, really helped me build my dreams. I, I, with, without, without my athletic career, I don't have my academic career. You know, cause first, you know, cause first, you know, you know, kind of as bright as I was, you know, I'm a, just a kid from, you know, a blue collar kid from South City, you know, I wouldn't have gotten the exposure so I could get the Fulbright scholarship. 
I wouldn't have had people step up so I could get all these extra degrees and all this time and um, get these nice little things that allowed me to get these other things that, you know, you know, got me to where I, where I am. I'd have never met Tiffany. I would have never had Kelly and Lindsay. I'd never, I'd never met you guys. And uh, so I just feel like I've got this large... Uh, large debt to pay off and so uh, if I can make a difference in this person's life you know if I can help this person get there to one more Olympic Games and this time instead of being overtrained and beat up to come in fresh and alive and ready to go and medal you know what a difference in that person's life I make you know yeah. what a when someone emails me and they're you know they got they're just trying to walk up the you know kind of walk up the, the stairs of athletic success and they're only I don't know, deadlift in 250, and they, but they really have the determination and energy to go all, heck, I, I, I have to, you know, I have to reach over and give them a pat on the back, put my arm around them and drag them to success. That's, that's my karmic debt, you know. And uh, I, everything I just told you, I absolutely, fundamentally believe. It's the, everything I just told you is true. And uh, so... Well, Dan, do you I see... I was just going to say, do you see yourself sort of uh, guiding people from more of a, a, a psychological, you know, a standpoint of building habits and, and character and things like that? I mean, or are, is it more of a physical well, thing, those, you know? Sure. The, well, all that, I mean, those, those wonderful things can be byproducts of technical work, too. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny how really, you know, it's like well, one of the things I say in my workshops, you know, there's been other people on the path before you. Steal their path. And the funny thing is, most of the people who've been there before you are absolutely willing to help you get there, to help you get your goal. So for me, yeah, I, I wouldn't say it's psychological. Some, I'll tell you what I do. To be honest, what I do most of the time nowadays is I tell people to do less. Less. <laughs> I, I show them, I go through them all my little... Uh, boxes and quadrants and <laughs> things, and uh, these elite athletes realize that they've been doing this and this and that and this and that and this, and they've been destroying any chance they have for their success because they've been doing all kinds of things, but none of them are, are the path to success. So sometimes my job is to tell you you're doing too much. Uh, sometimes my job is to tell you to, you know, uh, you need to really, you know, I don't know. <laughs> stretch your hamstrings before you, I mean, you know, really push your butt back harder before you snatch. So whatever it takes to help you, I'm willing to do it. And then, and then, then we go for there. So it, anytime you think coaching is just, <laughs> it's, it's, it's the whole rainbow. It's every, it's every color you, you can imagine, you know, it's, <laughs> it's right anything on. I can do to make, get you to be great. I mean, I'd agree on that, that statement about doing less with, with, would you say that, I mean, most everybody, especially advanced to, to elite, I mean, I've found that most of them are just doing too darn much work. Um, and they just need to throw some things out, whittle it down to is, what I like to people is just do things for a reason, not because you can. <laughs> I mean, it's... Well, but here's what I've done. Who, who is that saying that sentence? Who is that? That's Phil. Who asked? Phil. Oh, okay. Okay, that's a good point. That's a very good point. You know, what I've done in the last two or three years is I've actually broken it down into, I call them quadrants. There's four basics, but 
you know, everybody wants to, the, the problem we have is that, especially in the United States, strength and conditioning usually comes from football now. That is the model we use. And it's true. Anybody who's in a collision sport needs a ton of qualities. I mean, they, they, a, an NFL football player needs to be taller than you, bigger than you, faster than you, stronger than you, more agile, more balanced, more everything you can ever imagine. Normal human beings cannot become NFL football players. But that has become the paradigm on how we train people. The last thing a discus thrower needs to do, I, I mean, I tell people this all the time, they, oh, that's really? Like flying matches. Why is a discus thrower doing flying matches? Or jogging, for God's sakes. What are you jogging for? It takes 1.6 seconds to throw the discus once you start. Why are you jogging? It's okay to be exhausted after you throw if it's the world record, you know. Um, so you do all the uh, yoga. Oh, my God, these people. I, I've got nothing against Bikram yoga. I've got nothing against yoga. But if you're trying to focus on a goal, why do you do it? Just because you can doesn't mean you should. And that's the million-dollar question. Every athlete should reread Jurassic Park because that's the, yeah. isn't that the ongoing question. Just yeah. because you can doesn't mean you should. And you should look at every single thing you do in the weight room, at the track, at the field, on the, in the dojo. Do I really? Just because I can, should I? Like, do you remember a couple of years ago when these guys started doing all those, uh, they were talking about, uh, and they would do, thousands of these different kind of come these bizarre looking squats and these bizarre looking push ups. And why are you doing that? Oh man, because I want to get you know, it's gonna make me ready to become, you know, world wing chang fu, you know, champion. Really? Because I can guarantee that Chinese method isn't using Hindu push ups. You know? Yeah. And for those of you who missed that joke, go back and read it later. It'll be funny. <laughs> um Chinese okay, I won't say it. Uh, um <laughs> It's just they, you do everything because you're you're blinded by and, and hey I'm a major I'm a major problem in the industry you know I write an article a week and you know I've got all these great ideas and whenever I write something that's boring and simple everyone hates it but the truth is it's all the boring and simple stuff yeah. and so well uh, depending on your goals for example um, I mean I, I I'll, I'll I'm gonna give away a lot of money here but here you go all right. This woman comes into your place and she wants to lose 10 pounds of body fat. Why are you having her do, having her do pull-ups? Why are you having her do box jumps? She needs to do like Josh Hills, my good friend Josh Hills tells me, she needs, number one, a food journal, and number two, she needs to do something like a get-up or a swing or a goblet squat or even a treadmill. That will get her goals faster than all this garbage that you're doing. Her goal is to lose 10 pounds so for her, you know, her her daughter's wedding, and you, you blow her shoulders out doing, you know, snatches. Why are you having that way to do snatches? You know, why is she, why? And I understand why you do it is because you can't, but it doesn't mean you should. So that, for me, that when you look at those two examples, the NFL football player and this nice woman that comes to you to lose 10 pounds before her, uh, are you guys still on there? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, those are, those are kind of conflicting ends of my little quadrants. But they're really important quadrants because the truth is most people want to train like they're getting ready for the combine for the NFL. But really, most people should train like they're trying to lose 10 pounds for their reunion or their daughter's wedding. It's much simpler than we think. Um, you know, a, a lot of people then will jump into the model of bodybuilding. You know, bodybuilding is a very, has become a very, very simple sport. 
I mean, it's only a, it has very few qualities, right? It's maximal fat loss. It's maximal hypertrophy. Uh, it's you don't even have to tan anymore for that sport, right? <laughs> and it used to be back in the day, you know, guys like Dale Adrian, those guys would go out and get blitz tans in the in, in the desert before a big contest. Now you don't even waste your time tanning. <laughs> uh, and, and and once you learn a few poses and a posing routine, you're pretty much set. And if you're good enough, you don't need to do that very much. And Sadly, people yeah. will look at that model as a way to train. Bodybuilding has become a very, very narrow number of qualities, okay? It, back in Arnold's day and Franco's day, you had to, you know, either lift weights or show some athletic points. That doesn't exist anymore. And with the way they train now, none of this almost even matters. But uh, th- that's so, what a long answer. But that's, that's the stuff I'm working on now, just to let you know, okay? Yeah. I, you know, the fun thing when we talk to people on here, uh, you know, experts from all over the place is there's sort of this theme about, you know, keep it simple or the simplicity of it all. And I mean, you were talking about diet and, and we often talk about strength training, obviously, in different ways. And so many of the same principles apply. You know, you, you talk to people who micromanage some tiny supplement or aspect of their diet and they're just not eating enough calories, you know, or, like you were saying, you know, they're they're doing countless what I would call junk reps or junk laps, yeah. you know, and it's yeah. they're just spinning their wheels. And it just it's amazing, though, that once, you know, you get to a fairly high level, we're getting we're hearing very similar conclusions from all the smart people, which is, you know, kind of keep it simple and keep it, you know, specific to what your goal is. For the best sports nutrition information on the planet, make plans to attend the 8th Annual ISSN Conference and Expo, June 23rd to 25th, 2011, at the Westin Las Vegas Hotel, Casino, and Spa. We'll have the latest on creatine, beta-alanine, protein, nutrient timing, and much, much more. So, for more information, go to www.theissn.org. This comes up in this article, but you're exactly right. And this article just came out on T-Nation, but... A couple of years ago, I'm at uh, I'm in L.A. giving a workshop, and at 10 o'clock and at 2 o'clock, you'd hear crinkle, crinkle, crinkle. And it was these guys eating protein bars. These 145-pound guys were eating seven times a day, but never actually eating. And it was, it was turned, and, and so guys were asking me how to get bigger, and the first thing was, you eat in a day what I think you should eat in a meal. Yeah. And they were yeah. eating all these protein <laughs> bars and protein shakes, and it's like, the reason you're skinny is that, you eat small and you lift small. How, how can your body be big if that happens? Right. You know? Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we, and the funny thing is we're at the bar that night. Okay, there's a funny story. The one night where when I was on that velocity diet for teenage, we went to a bar and man, it was awesome. It was, you know, it was, you know, the, the physique girl showed up and God, you gotta love the way they dress at a bar. And, uh, uh, so these guys who want to put on weight are sitting there and they're drinking, and I was on the V diet, so I was drinking water and water with, uh, lemon, and I think I had a Diet Coke. I splurged, you know. And these guys were drinking water, water with lemon, and a Diet Coke. I said, dude, I thought you wanted to put on weight. Well, I don't want to get fat. Well, you don't want to get big. You get fat. <laughs> you weigh 145 pounds. <laughs> you know, you, you could not honestly play in a high school football game. You know, and, and so they just, that's, that's the thing. It is a lot simpler than we make it. Now, I know that sometimes I feel like I cut my own throat with this business because it was like, here I am on this phone call giving away all my biggest secrets, you know. You need to eat, you need to sleep, you need to drink water, you need to lift 
really heavy weights, you know, uh, don't use machines. See, now I can't make any money. You know, see, I just killed my income for next year. But the you nice know, thing say, is that... I was just going to say, you know, saying that is the more, you know, the more years that pass, the more I realize that that really does become a, an issue then for guys like us because, you know, the more you know, the more you realize that this is all very true. So it's like, well, what do you sell anymore, right? Because so much of the industry is built upon people selling things that, you know, are, are deemed to be, you know, the, the secrets and the, you know, the, the advanced technologies towards becoming this. But when the reality is, it's just, it's all very simple. You know, what a good point, Rob. I, I think I think what so many gurus do, and let's face it, we're not making any money with this podcast. You know what I mean? We're sitting around with, ju- with journalists and professors and teachers, and we're just giving away this information. But I, so maybe we all have a debt, like, you know, like Dan is saying. But I think a lot of times these gurus, what they're sort of doing is they're just rebranding stuff that everybody already knows is true once you get to a certain level. You know, they just cleverly market it and sort of rebrand it. Um, whether it's, you know, trying to do these as much work as possible in the smallest amount of time or whether it's a, it's a concept about big eating and the battle of the knife and fork or, you know, whatever it is. And yeah, then you got people like us who I guess, uh, our hearts are bigger than our brains and we're sort of just <laughs> giving it away for free. Well, well so, you know, you, I, I, today I'm not little Dan John form of Dave Draper. You know, someone was talking about how this one guy's going to charge a thousand dollars a day. Well, if you came and worked with me, you know, I'd either charge you three thousand dollars for a day or nothing. I've got no middle here. You know, yeah. I, I I just I give away tons of information for free because it's like, are you kidding me? How can I charge to tell you? How can I honestly charge you to tell you what you know to eat breakfast? I mean, I just don't feel comfortable with that. You know, and then put a DVD together about how I can teach you how to make breakfast faster. You know, I come on. I mean. Yeah. They're kind of, yeah, grow up, I guess, would be the other. Well, that's what's been going on in this. That's what's been going on in the supplement industry yeah. industry for years too. The same kind of thing. People just repackaging the same the same nutrition. You know, saying that it's better yeah. than the others. It's the same thing. Well, yeah. and I think yeah. that's also why people like you, Dan, and us here do have something to tell. Is because you know, honestly, sure, we're hearing that message more and more from the the so called gurus in the industry, but. The people giving that message are still far, far less than all these new internet gurus that are repackaging things and this and that and making all this, you know, all these programs, the best, next best thing. Well, here comes the old fogey notion here, but that's the other thing too is, you know, one of the, the most flattering comments I've seen on iTunes about this podcast was that, you know, these guys are older and they won't steer you wrong. And I thought, hallelujah, because I'm sick of looking at 19-year-old experts, you know, who open their own website or start to dominate a forum or something. And don't get me wrong, they're motivated. They have something to offer, some of them, you know. But, you know, what, what was it that Charles used to say? You know, until you can – what did he say? Until you can – until you've um, – Oh, the, the squatted 2,000 sessions or something? Yeah, like yeah, until you got 2,000 squat sessions under your belt. I don't want to hear you open your pie hole or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually pretty good, yeah. yeah. Well, I, we were saying that the other day. Uh, I have this group that meets me at Coyote Point there in, uh, I guess it's Burlingame. It's right on San Mateo, Burlingame. And we meet once a week, and, you know, they read my things sometimes on the web, and they'll make fun of me because they know, they know how frustrated I am when I write something like that. So it's like, you know, I was at a place one time where they, they said I had a bad, you know, a poor 
squat. And the joke, the joke has been around the internet for a long time. You know, I squatted 605 for three. And the truth is, I would have gone heavier, except we had a mirror there and I could see the face of my spotters. My spotters were starting to freak out. So here you've got these people who squat, uh, and this is not a joke. I mean, my daughter, Lindsay now is at the, the she's at a Division One, you know, thrower. They're much weaker than my daughter in the squat, and they're they're <laughs> taking chinks out of my armor because at forty nine, <laughs> fifty, fifty one, fifty two, my squat isn't what it used to be. Yeah, you know, yeah. You, you just really you, you need to shut up. I mean, I'm saying that with all kindness, you know, with all due kindness. I mean, and it, and it is a problem. And the truth is, though, here's something I've noticed with the internet, and God bless the internet. Back in the day, back in the seventies. Even probably back to the 60s, because, you know, this is when, like, when anabolics showed up. Someone could, you know, either start their own magazine or they could start their own, like, for example, with the Jones, with the Athletic Journal ads, you know, those 20, well, what were they, 28-page ads he would put in there. And they could say anything they wanted, and it took so long back in the day to, you know, kind of go, wait a sec, this isn't true. You know, if novels was so good. And I've said this a hundred times. They had all that money. If it's a better way to train, why didn't they have an Olympic lifting team, train Nautilus, and then, you know, just dominate the world? Then they say, well, we couldn't get the genetics. It's all genetics. I love that argument because it's, un- it's unbeatable. You know, I have a superior training program new, but I can't really prove it beyond the genes that your guys have. Yeah, right. Um, but nowadays with the Internet, you'll notice that the guru-ness is that the loop is lasting shorter and shorter and shorter. I just think about when I first came on the web. In 99, 2000, remember the hit Jedis, they called themselves? They dominated the Internet. Hit high-intensity training. So much so that I had people email me, say, start a website to com- combat the hit Jedis. Folks, that's only a decade ago. Yeah. Some of you who are listening, in fact, people who are listening to me live are going, I don't know what he's talking about. The hit Jedis. Uh, and then some other guys showed up, and they would talk about machines in one book, and the next book talk about hardcore and all this stuff. They're all gone. Uh, you know, magic mind blasters. Those guys don't last long. Uh, you know, you put a you put a piece of metal on the end of a string, and you lay on your back, and d- depending on which way the piece of metal goes when suspended above your chest is what whether you're a wood, a fire, or you know, a dirt person, and that should be how you train. That stuff doesn't last at all anymore. It, now, the funny thing is, if you go back, you go back to 2003, 2004, you know, when Greg says that uh, we can get you a 750-pound deadlift, that's why I was really interested in, in how, how his program would work. It was fun. Really. But now, I mean, my, my whole thing is, if you email me today and say, Dan, i got a program, and I'll get you an 800-pound deadlift, I, I go, right. You just, you know, just, you know, just keep hanging around with all the loser friends I hang around with. So the, the upside of the interwebs is that we have spun ourselves into a shorter and shorter guru cycle. In fact, that, if anyone wants to write a book or, or an article, there you go. Yeah. How the inter- Internet has shortened the guru cycle. Because if you, if you come out with a book within, it was a year or two before people started throwing BS at it. Yeah. Now if you come out with an article, you've got hours, hours before people start attacking, minutes in some cases. Yeah. Especially at a place like teenage, you know. So I think it's been, you know, that that's the one thing I've noticed is that 
we're all getting chopped down by the speed of the web and 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 in good. So if someone is good at what they do, they get a lot. You know, and I'll be honest, like West Side. West Side have been famous back in the '60s. A little, you know what I'm saying? They were the original one in Culver City. They were famous in track and field, but. Think about now. If I say West Side to a strength coach, they know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, maybe that they don't. We, we don't understand what West Side is doing necessarily, but we both know basically what we're talking about. Okay. But I'm you know what the talking. interesting okay. the interesting thing is, and I'm and this is going to probably create some enemies, but I think even I think even West Side is starting to kind of go to, beyond its usefulness. To be honest with you, I, I think I think the um, relevance of a lot of their their systems are have become so much implemented as standard issue stuff that it, above and beyond that has kind of become now passe. Yeah, you wouldn't want. I, you, I, I was just going to say you wouldn't want them to have to you know feel the need to do something. I don't know, shocking or new or you know bizarre in order to keep a customer base or something like you said, Rob, because. The truth in what they were doing has become so so standard, you know. So yeah. hopefully well, they don't change. No, don't, don't y'all remember West West Side for Olympic lifting, West Side for football, oh. West Side for track and field, West Side for throwing. And what's happening is that those things. In fact, I was with uh, I can't want to be too specific, but with a somebody who's in a, a football situation that does West Side, and the injuries are up and the performance is down. But since it's football, it's so fuzzy. They're doing, you know, the guy said, all we do is bench and box walk, bench and box walk. Well, I go, isn't that what you're supposed to do? No, we all feel slow and heavy. It's like, ooh. See, it's a great, there's no question that you can become great doing, well, just about any program in the world. I mean, heck, my my last two years of my, my, in college, basically, I squat snatched and power cleaned because I hated doing everything else. That's all I did. That's a pretty minimal program, you know. It's funny, I also threw great. So I stopped doing it. Um, but you, you know, you, that you make a great point is that once this stuff gets out so much, do you guys remember West Side for bodybuilding? Yeah. I mean, once it becomes, once it becomes the like almost a brand name, you, you lose. Does, does it lose a little bit? And I can guarantee you one more thing is that if you, you spent quality time at West Side and you read those West Side articles, it would be like. Uh, Shakespeare reading, you know, first grade letters about his work, right? We went, we went to a play. It was the, you know, I, mean, I can guarantee all those hybrid programs aren't nearly the quality of the West Side. <laughs> exactly. Side I mean, that's the big argument. You know, I'm training with out of Jesse Burdick's place now, and it's, you know, all these people claim they're training West Side, and you know, and creating West Side. You're not training West Side unless you're training with Louis Simmons at West Side. The point fact, you know, you're just not doing it. So I mean, but yeah, it became so cliche to, you know, it was what four or five years ago that there was West Side for everything. I mean, there was West Side for cooking. Um, well, it just it, it it just seems to me like I was I was speaking with Louis several months ago, and he said something to the effect of, um, how should I say this? Well, he's just saying that you know we're no longer worried about you know anything other than getting you know just records you know we don't even care about getting somebody to elite anymore we just want records that's all we want and you know with the advent of you know and the the technology that's going with the the equipment and support gear and monoliths and what i think to be a is is a a softening of you know um 
rules in regards to the actual lifts and so forth. I mean, it seems to me that are they really improving things that much as, as you know, as biological creatures? Or are they just manipulating all these, all these, you know, chemicals and hormones and uh, leverages with, you know, monoliths and equipment and all that to their, at such an advantage and, and taking that to such a kind of a, uh, a perfected realm that really physically, are these guys getting stronger? Really? I don't know. I, it's, it's a question. Well, and that's actually, uh, Pavel and I talk about that. We, you know, we did in the book, we call it Quadrant Four. And uh, it's like a 100-meter runner. You know, whatever they're doing in the Caribbean is right, and I'm wrong. You know what I'm saying? Whatever they're doing, and if you're, if you're going to, my only goal in life is to add more plates. That's one quality at a, at a level no one's ever even thought of before. I can't, you know, I can't help West Side guys. You know, I can't. I mean, I, if, if Louie called me up and said, can you give me some advice? My advice would be, I have no idea. Because that is such a narrow, narrow set of qualities. You know what I'm saying? And at such a high level that, you know, bringing in someone like me, it's just, who's such a generalist, can't, could never help you with it. Now, if someone who has been doing West Side at a high level then wanted to move over into something else for, for whatever reason, yeah, then you call me. But, yeah, so that narrow band of what they're doing is great for what their stick is. Was when, you know, it's, it's like when people go to cha- the, the late Charlie Francis's uh, sprint uh, uh, seminars and workshops, and then come back and try to apply what they learned to their sport. I used to think, but you, you know, he only worked with hundred meter runners. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm going to adapt what he did. Well, his work was only with hundred meter runners, which is a very narrow. Yeah. I mean, it's as hundred top end hundred meter runners are like top end. It's like our thousand pound deadlifters. I mean, how many are there? You know, you know. Could you get them all in one room? Maybe. It'd, yeah. It'd, it'd, yeah. One. One. Yeah. How many? <laughs> yeah, and how many? Seven hundred meter runners. Yeah. And how many? Yeah. And then how many? You know, if you took the whole nine hundred pound club, it'd be with the nine eight club, right? It'd be the same number of people, right? Yeah. So, my point is, when something is that narrow of a focus. It becomes very hard to go to a Charlie Francis workshop, walk away and, you know, take his principles and apply it to a football program. I've had people tell me they're trying to apply Charlie Francis, Ben Johnson stuff to football. And it's like, you're like, Ben never actually got hit while spread game, right? No one ever came <laughs> laterally. He didn't. You know that, right? Because, you know, it's really nice that you have this kid who can run, you know, a, you know, a fly pattern, a go pattern and really fast, but, Hey, he also has to then put his hands up and catch a ball. That's that's radical. They don't do that in track meets. They don't throw a ball at you at the 50 meter mark, and you have to catch it and win. <laughs> so it's, and, and I say that, and I, 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 it, it sounds like I'm always being sarcastic when I say that, or being just a jerk. But it's like, no, really, you have to, you've got to keep your sport, your training for your sport, relevant to the training for your sport. Yeah, really, it doesn't always really? transfer. Yeah. You know, yeah. No. And in fact, that's the problem with the bodybuilding paradigm that showed up since probably, probably Arnold, probably about 70, probably with the loss of the press in 72 in the Munich Olympics, uh, the rise of Arnold, probably 72 to 75, uh, you can see it right happen then, is the rise of bodybuilding as a model of training football. 
And so you have all these guys in the joke always they look like Tarzan, play like Jane, you know. And so these guys are they look they look good, but they can't play good, you know. Uh, some great coaches, Mike did, uh, Bill Walsh, specifically stayed away from those guys because they knew they couldn't handle a full season. Funny thing is, and I shouldn't tell you too much. Well, I can tell you this: um, with groups that are sometimes have the word "special" in front of them, um, they know that if a guy looks shows up on deployment looking too good, that they're gonna have real physical issues with him. Because if he's too if he's too ripped, what is he gonna live on after you yeah. know, sixty seventy days in the field? Yeah, you know, you, you know you. That's why uh, that's why the Highland Gamers uh, and I mean this can compete every weekend because a lot of them have excessive adipose tissue that they can burn off during the season. Yeah, yeah. We better get to some of these season. questions, or we'll be here all day. Um, uh, I'm sorry. Well, what are we getting to? I'm going to get to some of the listener questions, or, or we'll never get you out of here. <laughs> oh, sure, sure, no problem at all. Go ahead. Um, got one from David Wilson. He's wondering about programming for farmers walks, suitcase carries, and waiter walks. Do you use them primarily as strike movements, warm-ups, or finishers? And the answer is yes, yes, and yes, of course. Um, <laughs> interesting thing about interesting thing about the farmer walk and the suitcase carries is how good they are for baseball players. And I came across this just by, you know, I was trying to prove the kids' grips. They said that they needed more grip strength. To, okay, let me explain this. Uh, if you have 100 units of grip strength and you have that in it, you're off bat speed is with a 60 unit. If I can get your grip speed up to, if you get your grip strength up to 200 units, you're now swinging the bat with 120 grip and good things happen. So I tried to start doing grip, you know, I started doing farmer walks and suitcases with these baseball players. Well, shoulder injuries disappeared. Well, hell, I, I don't know why. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm certainly no scientist. I don't understand anything. But then later on, somebody told me that that Suitcase carries and farmer walks are really good for what that thing you would call, would call a rotator cuff. So sometimes you can get to the right answer by being just an idiot like me. So you can program all these things in several ways. I would never do a waiter walk to gosh, I think I'd just be lunacy. But that's that's part of a warm up. Uh, if you ever don't have a lot of time to train, just carry your farmer bars out. This is the workout, okay? You're gonna take the farmer bars. I want 125 per side. And I want you to carry it as far as you can for a total of 15 minutes, okay? And then bring it back. There's your workout. Call me when you're done. Okay? The, the joke, for those who've never done that, is <laughs> is that when you carry farmer bars out, it takes two to three to four times as long to carry them back. back. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of a joke. So <clears throat> you guys can laugh after it because I know you want to save time. Uh, you know, for programming on that stuff, I, I think you should do a suit, a thrower, a football player, a hockey guy, should probably do uh, suitcase kick. Anybody who's got lateral work to do it all, any kind of lateral work, you probably should have the suitcase carry as part of your base warm-up probably two or three times a week. Waiter walk is a nice, gentle warm-up. I think everybody should do it. I mean, you can do it waiter walks every day, but don't go crazy. On, uh, on the farmer walk, that can be used for anything, but if I, I've moved slowly in my career to back where I started is a farmer walk, is a finisher, it's a to death kind of thing. Uh, I use it and sometimes in my training, for example, the athletes, you'll do front squat, bench press, hurdle walk over, and then a, a short farmer walk down and back, and then something like a power curl or a power clean, and then back to the front squat, back to the bench press. And that's a nice, because I think you need to move while you're in your weight workout. Uh, I've had students, uh, 
switch uh, um, cartwheels when Farmer walks in a workout, which is which is really a nice little really nice little workout uh, to you know for what you whatever you want to call it, athleticism or whatever phrase you want to throw out there. But uh, I w- I'm not sure I want to talk about programming unless I'm kind of sitting down with the person with the yellow pad and they're telling me what. When they say farmer walk, I'm thinking 125 per hand, and they're thinking 35 per hand. We're not we're not using the same language. If that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think high school boys, Absolutely. you know, easily can get up to 120 per hand. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, if you're if you're down in, in, in 45 pounds, and we're not we're not using the same language. Okay. I, I know that wasn't a great answer, but that was you know, <laughs> I try to cover all this. No worries. I'm not even sure you're going to want this one. I'm going to shoot it at you. Um, a question about back injuries and programming. Somebody that has a, um, a herniated disc, what would you do for programming them? Uh, well, of course, I, you know, everybody I know, it's, okay, I'm going to give everybody a warning here. Okay, I'm Dan John. I've got degrees in theology. So if something bad happens at the gym, okay? <laughs> I can tell the person whether their soul has left their body and they're dead. That is, a, I actually, I feel comfortable in a court of law saying, as a theologian, I saw Billy's soul leave his body. <laughs> anybody anybody yeah. else, and I tell people this all the time, but they don't seem to listen. If you start telling your clients, or your, your, your athletes, oh, I think you have an L5, L6 issue with a quadrilated scopopative of I even tell them, don't even use the word femur. If I see a white thing sticking out of one of my athlete's thighs and it's blood coming out of it, I tell the, the medics when they get there, the paramedics, I say, there's something wrong with Billy's right leg. And they say, oh, he's got a broken femur. I say, oh, okay, well, you're the expert. So be real so when someone says they have a herniated disc, first off, <laughs> make sure you know you have a herniated disc, okay? <laughs> Don't go to Eddie's school of, you know, really nice back instruction. Herniated disc, I mean, are you, if, <laughs> if you're crippled, you probably should stop doing whatever you're doing. But with most back injuries, I tell you, there's a, there's a new book out by, uh, well, it's not from me now, uh, by uh, Clarence Bass. I like it a lot, called Great Expectations. Um, Clarence sometimes drives me crazy when I read his work, but I, I, it's like Ellington Darden, you know. They, they, he's written the same book 15 times. But I think Clarence does a real good job. I mean, some, but he talks a lot about dealing with a very serious hip injury uh, as he got older and how he's moved to exercises that allow him to keep training around the injury. I think that's a good model if you are an injured athlete. What you do is you find those injuries that allow you to keep training around the injury. One caveat. This comes from Greg Cook. The research is clear. If you're injured and you sit, and you have a back injury and you sit, you up to double the forces on the injury. So it sounds counterintuitive, especially to anybody who grew up with machines. But if you're sitting doing pushes and pulls, sitting. If you're sitting doing your curls because you have a bad back, you're actually putting more force on that injury than if you were standing. So what I would kind of tell you is first start off, you've got, you know, certain basic human movements, you know. If you can do a squatting movement like a goblet squat, uh, stay light and see if that helps. If it hurts, please stop. 
uh, a pulling movement. Is there a pulling movement you can find that doesn't hurt? If you can find one, like for some people, pull-ups give nice traction and make your back feel better. For others, it just it just locks you up. On pushing movements, it's interesting because some people say that military presses don't hurt their lower backs. The guy next to them looks at them like they're crazy. I think it all depends on how you military press. One of the areas that really emphasize if you do have back issues is you've got to gait, G-A-I-T. That's your walking, your movement, your loaded movements. I mean, can you walk with a vest? I mean, is it heavy hands? Uh, what are the things that you can do to keep exercising and not impact that back at all? Uh, gait, uh, the movement, the walking, the sprints, the loaded walking, sled pulls, uh, any of those things, can you do any of that stuff? If you can, good things are going to happen. Uh, that's where I would, that's where when someone, well, here's another one, farmer walk. Now, stay away from the suitcase walk uh, at first because that's, you know, unilateral. Yeah. But if you can farmer walk, huh, it doesn't, and I don't, you know, have them up on a little box or something like that and walk around. Uh, this isn't, by the way, you'll notice, none of, I will never give you advice uh, unless you're standing next to me on any kind of programming. Because there's yeah. too many variations. When I say <clears throat> when I say clean and jerk, I think of this, but you think of that. Okay, so we've got to be clear. But those are the kinds of things you want to look at. I think if you're ja- that jacked up, you need to really walk into it at a slow and gentle pace. Okay, you know I got that hip injury. I blew it out a couple of years ago. Okay, so my good friend Brad Jones gave me some information, and I've got this. Where he says, No, no, you don't do any of those exercises until you're feels good all the time. When we've fixed the hip through, you know, mobility exercises and these, you know, simple movements, then you can start being an idiot again and re-injure yourself. But until then, you have to, you know, and boy, it's been a miracle. It's been a miracle in my life. So if you're hurt, you're hurt, and you've got to find the things that don't make you hurt. My advice, don't move weights seated. See how much you can pull, uh, uh, you know, drag, carry, those kinds of things and go from there. Good enough advice? Short like that? Yeah, that's perfect. Um, got two more. Let's do one from Jennifer. What type of program would you use for a football team in-season, preseason, off-season, and how much of your views on programming are based off under-the-bar experience versus coaches who have learned you've learned from? Seriously? And I want to do that um, the, I used, for football, you really have to learn. You, you can always tell somebody's new to the system is when they start using words like off-season, in-season. No offense, I'm not trying to be a jerk, but uh, one of the most important things about football is that it's, it involves a lot of qualities at a very high level. So the most important thing you, is you can't, you've got to keep training year-round, and you have to have a whole bunch of, uh, of stuff. This person might need to probably read my book to be honest with you, because I share a lot of stuff in there. In fact, uh, by the way, tomorrow morning the team I coach, is, uh, my strength coach for, is going for their third straight state championship. So that's kind of the good news. So the methods I use work, I think. And what, the most important thing is, okay, okay, I hate, why would somebody even ask me about programming? Uh, but, okay, first off, they should read the chapter called The Warm-Up is the Workout about with a football team, you need expansive, in the weight room, organized, disciplined warm-ups that, have, that involve every body, uh, every body movement. So 
in the warm-up, you should be doing hurdle walkovers. In the warm-up, you should be doing some kind of squatting movement. In the warm-up, you should be doing some kind of pressing warm-up. And I've got it detailed, but you can do a million other things. Secondly, to be honest, for most people, just do Jim Wendler's 531 for the football team. Do it year-round. You'll be fine. Don't. Okay. And then after that, <laughs> after that, you need to then go into what specifically you can do at your facility. That's the problem. You know, I just was over at Amador Valley the other day, and this very nice coach, uh, Peter Scarpelli, you know, he's trying to really uh, update his football uh, training program. Well, his, his program, number one, is his facility. And so there's the issue right there. I mean, I can give you all these great programs with all these numbers, but if, if you only have one squat rack and 113 football players, good luck. <laughs> you, 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 you tell me a program. Yeah. You know, I had, when I left, I had 113 kettlebells, 44 Olympic bars, five thick bars. I had, uh, uh, I had enough chains so that we could have, you know, we could have 15 stations at once using chains in the big weight room. But see, in the other weight room, it was three-fifths the size of all that. So we had all that stuff. We had five platforms. We had uh, hurdles there. We had a tumbling mat. So that my, my football players in a normal workout would be doing cartwheels and shoulder rolls as part of their weight workout. I can't just I can't just write that program down and send it to this person and say now you know here do this. Hell, if you can't teach tumbling, you can't teach you can't teach tumbling. You've got to learn to teach tumbling. Then you've got to teach your athletes how to tumble. Football players need to tumble. They need to do cartwheels. Cartwheels are a wonderful exercise for football players. Football players need to do uh, farmer walks for sure. No question about that. Probably suitcase carries them probably warrior walks. Football players probably need to do snatch and clean and jerk. Football players, there's no question in my mind, they need to do front squats and deadlifts. They need to do thick bar deadlifts. Hello? Is you, here are just another things that I just said they must do. And so <laughs> part of what you need to do as a, as a strength coach is you have to have a systematic approach, systematic approach to how are you going to teach that group of athletes over a four- or five-year period how to do all these important, crucial movements. Hell, that's why it's so much more fun to be a track coach. Hell, I got a great discus thrower, and all I got him for a few months a year. I show him how to deadlift, I show him how to bench. I throw him how to discus. I all of a sudden have another state champion. I'm a great coach. Hey, look at me. It's because throwing the discus has very few qualities. You have to be strong, and you have to have good technique. Football, you need dozens, dozens of qualities. Gotcha. Good answer. Um, got one more from Larry Draper, and I'm going to add. Larry Draper! Larry Draper! Oh, I tell you this, girl. Okay. And I'm going to add one little thing to it. But, um, Dan, you've been on the road a lot lately, and she says a lot. Uh, what's your training like when traveling? Could you describe it for us? How often, how much, and what exercise or tools? And I want to add on, um, what are you doing or are you doing anything um, a- athletically? What What are you pursuing athletically now, if anything? Uh, well, that's a, that's a good question. Um, uh, you know, you know. On July 24th, I had one of the worst athletic experiences of my career. We won't go into, into details, but, you know, I, I kind of I kind of brought my my wings in a little bit, and, you know, I had to reconsider. My thought is, if I can't walk up a flight of stairs, what am I doing competing, you know? So right now, my number one thing is to deal with that. I, I want to be pain-free. For now, my goal is pain-free for weeks at a time. It was minutes at a time, seconds at a time. Then I went to minutes, then I went to hours. Then days, and that was amazing, and now weeks. So what do I do on the road? 
uh, first and foremost on the road, there's this exercise that I take. I, I use Mark Chang's uh, Calisthenics Get It uh, with a high. Now that's Brett Cook and Brett, uh, Brett Cook. Brett Jones and Greg Cook, of course, too. But that is a great on the road training device. I also bring, I have a TRX. I bring that on the road with me because it's lightweight. And now a lot of people do a lot of, you know, a lot of voodoo with it. But I, I do a uh, hip traction thing. And then I do some odd, bizarre things for the hip. Um, it's a rare place nowadays I go to that doesn't have at least 45-pound dumbbells, except for the place I'm staying at today doesn't. They just have machines. So what I try to do is break it down over a couple days, depending on the road. For example, right now, instead of me sitting in the, in the room, I've been walking around the parking lot constantly the entire time. Um, I do think you have to have a serious... One of the days when you're on the road, it should always be the day after you travel, you should do some mobility work, whatever mobility means to you. Now, it can be a yoga-ish kind of thing. It can be uh, something, uh, a functional movement screen kind of uh, of a family, or it can be whatever whatever you decide to do. But when you're on the road a lot, your your joints get, like, for example, my I got up at 4 o'clock yesterday, had a five, my plane got canceled, had a five-hour delay I didn't know about in Las Vegas, went to bed at one twenty. Here, so that's a long day. And so today, I get out of the car, and my brother-in-law says, "Hey, you're gimping a little bit." No, actually, it's not my hip; it's me. I'm when they sandwich a, you know, I'm a, I'm a man of uh, horizontal capability, and uh, when they stick me to those damn little chairs on a plane, I stiffen up. So today, part of what I'll do is 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 that kind of thing. When in doubt, what I do is as many presses on the road, so it's get-ups and presses. Get-ups and presses. That would be a weight workout. Uh, if I can get some gobble squats in, and I, you can do that, you know, with, you know, with nothing. Get-ups and presses are the things. And then mobility. And then if you can, get in a, a nice walk in as much as you can. And that's why sometimes on the road, you know, people say, uh, oh, where'd you go? And I went, oh, I went to go get beer. You know, well, you went to get beer? I had some beer. Yeah, well, I was, you know, I, I, actually, I was going for a walk. But if you tell them you're going for a beer, they don't argue so much, you know. If you tell them you're going for a walk, they want to join you and ask you questions about programming, in-season, off-season, pre-season for football. And that drives you crazy because <laughs> it's almost always uh, <laughs> too long of a question for a two-mile walk. <laughs> yeah. But you tell Larry I'm taking good care of myself. Tell her I'm taking hey. good care of myself, okay? Will do, will do. I think that's it for today, guys. I mean, that was a great show. Dan, I want to thank you for joining us. We didn't cover anything. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes it's just fun to talk shop. Exactly. little gym talk. Exactly. Yeah, no kidding. Um, Do me a favor. Don't wait a year and a half next time, okay? I've got a lot (laughs) of stuff I'd like to talk about. and You know, um, uh, if if I can just finish off this. You'll notice how uncomfortable I am with those programming questions, okay? And it's because if, if, if you study the work of Ludwig Wittgenstein, the great Austrian uh, philosopher, when we have these conversations, what I think, I'm saying this, and you're hearing that. So when you apply it to them, it's nothing like what we originally, what I thought. And so programming in the air like this, or even on a, on a, you know, on a computer screen, often falls flat in its face. That's why I'm a little vague on that, and I apologize, okay? Uh, I totally understand. No, no totally. It makes sense to me. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think it, it all comes down to, we had Dave Whitley on the other day, and it's, you know, everybody, 
Everybody needs to get the the principles before they go for the, uh, you know, everything else. It's just if, if you learn the basics, you're doing okay. Um, again, everybody check out danjohn.net. He's got a bunch of events coming up. Um, a new book coming out that's umpteen million pages long with Pavel. You can use it to do waiter walks and, and read it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, Double duty. All the above. Yeah. So. Or would that book be too heavy for waiter walks? That's right. Yeah. Maybe okay. too heavy. Uh, all right, Dan. Th- thanks a lot. All right. Thanks, guys. Hey, we'll talk again. You bet, guys. We'll talk again real soon, okay? All right. Yep, take have care. a good wedding there. I will. I got, in fact, I've got to go roll to the uh, rehearsal dinner right now. All right. Thanks a lot, everybody. Okay. You bet, guys. Bye bye. Hey, Iron Radio listeners, this is John Mike. I just wanted to tell you about the American Society of Exercise Physiologists. It's pleased to announce the 2011 National Meeting on September 22nd, 23rd, and 24th in Albuquerque, New Mexico. This will actually be the fourth time the National Conference has been held here in Albuquerque. This three-day event will be held at the Radisson Hotel and Water Park, New Mexico Sports and Wellness and the University of New Mexico, and partly hosted by the Exercise Science Program here at the University of New Mexico. Go to www.ascp.org to learn more about this exciting conference. Thanks so much. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like Iron Radio, if you like what we do, uh, the education, interviewing uh industry personalities, or many of the pro bodybuilders or coaches that we've had in the past, uh, please just click on the donate button at www.ironradio.org and make a donation. We've had some great donations from people that have kept us going. Thank you so much. Uh, so please visit uh, the website, click on the donation button, or if you like, uh, and it's a similar situation, buy some Iron Radio cool stuff. We've got t-shirts and mugs and things like that, and those things help support the site and keep us on the air. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.